1: If I die
0: Whatever he does prospers. Oh, not so the wicked. They're like chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Have you come to an end of yourself? No, I mean, an absolute end. Jesus, when he was brought to an utter end of himself, what did he do? We spoke about this yesterday, but. In way of review, when Jesus was brought to the very end of himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' response was tears, blood popping out on his forehead like sweat. As he cried out to the Father, and as he submitted, as he prayed, as he trusts himself into the hands of his Father, praying, Lord, Father, take this cup from me, if that be according to your will. He basically prayed, let your will be done in my life. And he was facing the cross. He was facing crucifixion. But he chose obedience. But our response usually when we're brought to the utter end of ourselves, we go to sleep. We run away. We deny. And in our exhaustion and in our depression and in our anger, we just shut down. And we try to defend ourselves. Peter Peter was brought to the absolute end of himself. Now, Peter was rebuked by Jesus, Get thee behind me, Satan. He was also given commendation by our Lord. Peter spoke more often than any of the other disciples, and Jesus spoke with him more than any of the other disciples. Peter was a bold, brave soldier. He had left his wife, his family, in Capernaum, and he had traveled with Jesus now for probably about three years. We don't know. Maybe a little longer. He'd slept with him in the cold, In the open, he'd gone without food, without shelter. All because he believed in Jesus as the Messiah. And he believed that Jesus would establish a government. And he wanted to be a part of that government. He wanted to be a part of what Jesus was doing. But then things began to fall apart. Jesus kept telling them that he was going to be crucified, that he would die. But they could not hear that on the third day he would rise. His words were utter devastation. How could they have given three and a half years of their lives to follow this Jesus, to be taught by him, to see the miracles that he performed? to hear the words of mercy and kindness and wisdom pouring forth from Jesus' lips. He was with Jesus day and night. He knew who Jesus was. And then came that horrible night in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter is exhausted with sorrow and he escapes as he comes to the end of himself he escapes into sleep jesus rebukes him kindly jesus calls him to pray for himself he said the flesh is willing or is the flesh is willing but it's weak the spirit is willing but the body is weak is exactly what was said in mark The 14th chapter, verse 35. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The temptation is to come to the end of yourself and turn away from Jesus and go and sit in the seat of the scornful. (laughs) It's to turn away from Jesus and to say, I don't know you, Jesus. always when we're brought to the end of ourselves we're exhausted we're angry we're hopeless we don't see a way through the temptations come fiercely at us the, the temptation of of pride the temptation of of lust of envy the temptations to turn aside from Jesus to somehow comfort ourselves in this desperate situation where we don't know how we're going to survive when everything that you have longed for is being destroyed your life is being destroyed how do you stand When you pray and it's as though Jesus is not hearing, you cry out to him and there's no answer. You come to the end of yourself. Peter saw Jesus taken captive. He pulled out his sword and struck at the high priest's servant cutting off his ear Jesus rebukes him and heals the man's ear Peter is undone he's willing to fight for Jesus but he's not willing to die with Jesus unless it's with a sword in his hand and he can be the man his heart is still filled with pride And Satan has come to sift him. To bring him to the absolute end and see what Peter will do. So, the betrayer comes. Judas kisses Jesus, indicating this is the man. He is betraying Jesus with a sign of affection. the men seize jesus they bind him and everyone flees everyone runs even mark the young man who is who is not really a disciple in the sense of being an apostle but he's following jesus and he's in that garden of gethsemane they seize this young man he slips out of his linen garment, and they and he runs, and he runs away bare naked. Well, they take Jesus to the high priest, and the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law come together. This is not at Caiaphas's. This is at Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest before. He's an older man. Peter follows, and John follows. They follow at a distance. They know their lives are at risk by just following Jesus to this place of judgment, but they have to know what is going to happen with Jesus. Is he really going to release himself, or is he really going to die on a cross? They have to know. The end has come for them, the end of their vision of Delivering Israel, the end of the government that would be established. Everything has crashed into them. But they love Jesus. He can't get into the courtyard because he doesn't know anyone there, but John knows some people and the high priest. And he goes back to the gate where Peter is standing, and he brings Peter into the inner court, the courtyard of the high priest. Now Mark says he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. This same story is told in a couple of places. It's told in Matthew twenty six sixty nine. Let me read it for you. he entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome now in luke 22:50 it says he came in and stood around a charcoal fire because it was cold and he can hear the words of the high priest and jesus response they Declare him worthy of death. They begin to spit in the face of Jesus. They begin to strike him with their fists. Slapping him in the face. Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? Now Peter can hear all of this. He's sitting out in the courtyard. And Matthew tells us that a servant girl came to him and said, you also were with Jesus, she said. Oh, he can pull his sword and fight with a man, but he can't withstand the scrutiny and the scorn of a maiden. He denied before them all. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. Then he went out to the gateway. Another another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denies it with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there approached Peter, and they said, Surely you were one of them for your accent gives you away. Galileans had a different accent than Judeans. At this he begins to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Well, Mark, let me read to you. In in Mark the fifteenth chapter. Mark the fifteenth chapter. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, it's the fourteenth chapter, I'm sorry. They condemned him, that is Jesus. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him and struck him with their fists and said, Prophesy. And then the guards took him and beat him. Peter is witness to this. Peter is below in the courtyard, and one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene Jesus, she said. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. A servant girl saw him out by the gateway this fellow is one of them again he denies it surely you are one of those galilean and he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them i don't know this man you're talking about now jesus were told in luke turns his head he's being beaten he's being abused it's torture but his eyes meet Peter's eyes and in that moment the rooster begins to crow and Pe- and Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice you will disown me three times Peter reached his limit he couldn't go any further and with these words and the look that Jesus gave him his heart broke he knew he had betrayed the man who had loved him as none other he knew he had betrayed God himself. And all he could do was weep bitterly. This story just strikes right at my heart. For which of us have not been pressed to the utter end of ourselves? Which of us have not sinned against Almighty God by denying We even know him by our behavior, by things we've said and done as we are caught up in the mess of the world and turned away from Jesus. Some committing fornication. Some giving themselves to the lust for money. Some cheating and lying. Some mistreating your wife or your husband lying cheating stealing cowardly you don't want to face the facts that your sin has separated you from God and that you are lost for Peter all was lost the Messiah was going to now be crucified he was being beaten he was being spit upon all is lost for Peter His hopes, his dreams, his sense of integrity in his own life has been utterly destroyed. He is now hopeless, defeated, alone. All of his dreams have been dashed to pieces. Doesn't know what to do. Now, different people respond differently to this situation. We find that, likewise, Judas, who had betrayed Jesus for money, came to the end of himself when he realized what he had done and that Jesus was innocent and he had betrayed God himself. He knew this was God. He knew it was the Messiah. And he tried to take the money back to the priests. And they scorned him. And he threw the money down on the floor. And he left. He was at the utter end of himself. He too denied Jesus. and he went out and hanged himself now do you see why many when they come to an end of themselves respond not as jesus responded but they respond with with tears They respond with going to sleep, and that was Peter's first step. He just went to sleep because he was coming to the end of himself, and he couldn't deal with it. And in his exhaustion, he just went to sleep. This is a road down. Now running happens. Run to the theater. Run to the gym. Run somewhere. Just go somewhere and blot out your heart and the cry of your heart. Be depressed. Live in a continual state of despair. This is hopeless. Nothing's ever going to change. I'm stuck here. I can't believe I'm in this place. I hate it. But there's nothing I can do, so I've just got to survive. Underneath all of that is the bitter anger of how I've been treated and mistreated and judged. And at the same time, judging yourself harshly. Can't get past the guilt of what you've done. I know that some of you today listening to this broadcast have done things and said things that you are utterly ashamed of today. Today. And these things cut you to the heart. And you weep over them, but you can't get past them because you're guilty. You know you're guilty. Judas went out and hanged himself. That's how he dealt with his guilt. The ultimate act of selfishness I'll just die. Have you ever thought of committing suicide? Have you wondered if that's the way out? I tell you now, it's the coward's way out. There is another way out. That is to go out and weep bitterly before God and confess what you have done and confess that you are responsible for what you did, that you are not a victim, that nobody forced you to take that action. Nobody forced you to betray Jesus. You did it because you came to the end of your courage. You came to the end of your money. You came to the end of all ideas of deliverance. And you sinned against Almighty God. There is a way back. The way back is the way of confession and repentance. And saying, I'm going to go back. I'm going to publicly confess. I'm going to deal with whatever I need to deal with. Sometimes we think we can just go back and pretend everything's okay. But it's not because we've not publicly confessed. Now it doesn't tell us in the scripture that he went back to the disciples and publicly confessed. But he did go back. And then we come to that part of the story. John 21. I love this part of the story. It sets my heart to dancing. I love it because it's the kindness and mercy of Jesus now to reestablish Peter as one of the disciples, to assure him of his love. They were to go to Galilee to meet Jesus. They'd already seen Jesus couple of times in Jerusalem, but now they were to go to Galilee. Now, this is particularly difficult because Galilee is where they spent most of their ministry, but it's also where the fishing took place. They don't know when Jesus will come. They don't know how they're going to survive. I'm sure they were out of money. Simon Peter he made a decision I can't wait anymore guys I'm going to go fishing I'm going to go fishing I'm going to return to what I was doing before because this whole vision of Jesus it looks like it's over this whole establishing of the kingdom of God. It looks like it was all fantasy that it's over. But I know how to fish. So I'm going to go back and do what I know I can do. He had a family to provide for. So Simon tells them, I'm going fishing. He doesn't invite the others to come. He just says, I'm going fishing. And they all said, well, we're going to come with you. So they all went out that evening. And they got in the boat, the family fishing boat, one of them. And they began to fish in the Sea of Galilee. They threw their nets time after time after time, probably in places where they knew there had to be fish because always when they threw their nets there, they caught fish. They fished all night. And they caught nothing. And they're coming back the next morning to shore. They caught nothing. They made no money that night. Do you understand? Fishing was money. They would take their, their fish to a, a little village that was close by. Magdala I've been at Magdala I've stood in that small foundation with the beautiful fresca where Jesus taught and where Mary of Magdalene listened to Jesus and had seven demons cast out of her this was a fishing center they would process the fish that were caught and then they would ship that fish off to Rome. They fished all night. They caught nothing. But as daybreak was coming, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples couldn't see that it was Jesus. They didn't realize that it was Jesus. Until Jesus called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? How could he tell they didn't have, well, he was God. But I'm sure they also were tired, exhausted, dejected. How are they going to survive? They've been fishing all night, they've caught nothing, they've made no money. How are they going to survive? Have you ever been there? Where you've done everything God has asked you to do, everything has failed, everything is wiped out, people have left, they've deserted. How do you survive? You've tried to do your business and you get a zero response, you don't have any money left. You lose your house. You lose your car. What are you going to do? No, we don't have any fish. Or, no, we don't have any money. And he said to them, he called to them, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I'm sure that as soon as Jesus said that, they knew who it was that was saying it. They had experienced this one other time. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that is John, said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, He grabbed his outer garment and he jumped into the water. He headed for Jesus. Now you've got to love Peter for this. He doesn't run away from Jesus, he doesn't run away from the shame of his heart. He has wept bitterly over his shame. But now it's time to put the shame aside because Jesus has come. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes, when we have confessed our sin, when we have taken total responsibility for it, we have made the decision we will never again desert. We will never again walk in that wicked way. We make that decision by the power of the blood. We are restored to Jesus through confession and repentance and the decision to walk in righteousness. As soon as Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he leapt into the water and headed for shore. The other disciples followed in the boat, rowing that boat towing the net full of fish. They couldn't even pull the fish out. There were too many. They weren't far from the shore, about a hundred yards. Hey, that's a long ways. When you're pulling a boatload of squirming, flipping fish in a net. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There was a fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. This is John 21, verse 10. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore by himself. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Do you remember last time the net tore? But this time, Jesus is in charge. And he says, come, have breakfast with me. The disciples were afraid to ask him any questions. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Jesus broke the bread, he blessed it, he passed it to them. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples. When they'd finished eating, I'm guessing it was a very quiet meal. Because, do you remember? They all deserted Jesus and ran away. It was Peter, however, who had said, I don't know this man. I don't know him. I don't know him. Cursing and swearing. I don't know this man. The others had just run away. Jesus now turns towards Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? What is he speaking about when he says these? I don't know. Is he speaking about the other disciples? No, I don't think so. I think he may be talking about the fish. Do you love me more than you love these fish, than you love the money they will bring to you? He could have just as easily said, Peter, do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than your home? Do you love me more than you love your wife and your children? Do you love me more than your friends? Do you love me more than your lifestyle? Do you love me more than these, Peter? Now, Peter had thought this through in his prayer, in his repentance, in his confession. A fixed determination had come into his heart. Jesus is my Lord. He is Messiah. He is God. I will serve him. Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Then feed my lambs. He didn't say, go fishing. He said, feed my lambs. In other words, be about my business. Again, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, Do you truly love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep a third time he said simon son of of john do you love me and peter now is deeply hurt because three times jesus has asked him do you love me each time he's answered yes but now it's as though jesus doesn't believe him Do you love me, Peter? Lord, he said, You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. In other words, he's saying, Peter, be totally available. You're not available to me when you're fishing for money. I want you to be, Peter, totally available for me. Why? Because Jesus was reestablishing him as an apostle. And he was giving him his marching orders to feed his sheep. To take care of the sheep. To take care of the lambs. In other words, Jesus is the good shepherd. And now he's saying to Peter, be a good shepherd. You're no longer a fisherman. You are going to fish for men. And then he says, Jesus, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Now we're told in extra-biblical historical sources that Peter and his wife were crucified together when Peter was old. He had been afraid of dying and had denied Jesus. But Jesus now had reestablished him. Could I please speak just to those who have some brokenness in your heart because of some sin? Jesus wants to reestablish you. The time for being exhausted and sleeping and being depressed is over. Jesus is calling you. The time for running is past. The time for suicide is past. The time for unbelief is past. It's time to stand up and say, I will serve Jesus Christ. No matter what anybody thinks about me, I will serve Jesus Christ. I will wait upon the Lord. I will wait upon Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Jesus says to Peter, Follow me. Follow me. The Lord has said to me, Wait upon the Lord. I know that the Lord has called me to be a pastor. I know he's called me to speak on this radio. (coughs) Pardon me. I know I'm in the midst of his will. But how do I survive? He's been carrying me. He said, wait upon the Lord, and the Lord will carry you through. I'm in a time of transition. He's calling for revival in this city. I'm waiting upon him to bring that revival. And as I wait, I invite you to come and wait with me at the National Prayer Chapel. If God is calling you, then come. If he's not calling you, go where he's calling you. Follow Jesus. I am following Jesus. Then he said one last thing to me. This was in the midst of the night. He said, rest in me, Ray. In In other words, give up your own efforts. I can't bring revival. But I can speak what he puts in my heart and on my lips. I can speak from his word. This is the one place I can do that. I'm nobody. I'm not in any sense a celebrity. I'm not in any sense well-known. I am unknown, hidden away, pasturing a little body of people called the National Prayer Chapel where we're learning how to pray and wait. Where we're encouraging one another as we come to the end of ourselves and we hear Jesus say, follow me. Now, it's of interest to me that Peter, when he hears Jesus say, follow me, turns and he sees, he sees John. He's following Jesus And Peter, when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me, Peter. So Jesus has just told Peter that he is going to be crucified. And Peter wants to know what's going to happen to John. Jesus says, That doesn't concern you. You follow me. I hear the Lord say to me, Follow me. Just follow me. Put your confidence in me. Rest in me. Trust me to bring about exactly what I want to bring about for Washington, D.C. So cry out and pray and stand by faith and don't be moved. And trust me to carry you. Trust me to pay the rent. Trust me to deal with your car or the lack thereof. Trust me to deal with your health trust me to deal with every aspect of your life you follow me you feed my sheep you take care of my lambs you do the work of a shepherd and so that's what I'm doing right now that's why I've been so bold to speak to you about Peter as I have I want you to follow Jesus too I want you to move out of your despair and depression. I want you to move out of your guilt. I want you to stand up for Jesus and say, if I need to confess publicly anything, I will go confess it. I will make every wrong right. I will take whatever consequences I need to take. I am not a victim. I chose to sin, but now I choose to follow after Jesus. That's what Peter did. That's what I've done. I've made so many foolish mistakes and I've sinned so against the Lord, but I'm forgiven. And now I'm called to do His work. If you'd like to be a part of the National Prayer Chapel, don't be afraid. Hear the word of the Lord follow Jesus. Get out of your exhaustion. Get out of your sleepiness. Get out of your stuff and follow Jesus. We're out of time for this broadcast, but I'd like to give you the telephone number. If you'd like directions to my house, we meet on Sunday in my living room at 10 a.m. sharp. You're welcome to come. 10 till noon we are not an institutional church we are a New Testament church so if you want directions call 703 489 1785 that number again 703 489 1785. If you would like to support this work in preparation for revival in this city, would you sacrificially give as the Holy Spirit calls you to give? Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm following Him. I am doing and saying exactly what I've been instructed in the prayer closet. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. With
1: great joy, with great joy, now unto Him who is able. Keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with grace.